from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. That's at the root of most crime in addition to economic opportunity. It's matched with those two, two things, personal safety and opportunity economically. Again, this is additional support that kids in Ladue and other places have. They have that social network that says, oh, uh, that person wants to get into broadcasting. I know someone at St. Louis on the air. Let me talk to them. <laughs> and, and then how do I coach them to apply? How do I coach them? How do I follow up? Now, a mentor can only do part of that, right. but they need a coach that's there for the long term, that this is the job that they're centered on. I'm Alex Hoyer. The number of Kia and Hyundai car thefts in St. Louis and St. Louis County are up by a wide margin. In St. Louis County alone, there have been more than 500 of them stolen this year. That's up nearly 300% over last year so far. Police say that it's mostly black boys and young black men who are stealing these cars, and many are inspired by the so-called Kia Boys on TikTok that shows how to exploit a weakness in those car models. Kalen Mayfield is a former activity aide at the St. Louis Juvenile Detention Center. During his time there, he helped connect the people detained with mentoring and job training resources. Producer Maya Norfleet spoke with Kalen, and he said that he and his colleagues learned that many young people are committing these crimes out of necessity. They come from low-income households, um, and they grow up in poverty. You know, they're in single-parent households. Some of their parents are abusing drugs and alcohol, and, you know, they're the oldest of six siblings, so some of them rob and steal and do whatever they need to do to feed themselves and their siblings and their family. Indeed, Sergeant Tracy Panis of the St. Louis County Police Department told us on this show a few weeks ago that these cars aren't usually being stolen for joyrides. They're being used to smash into marijuana dispensaries and commit other burglaries. Here's more of what Kalen Mayfield had to say about providing job training opportunities to young people. Though a legal opportunity provides them a way of making money um, without the risk of jail time, it's not nearly the amount of money they're used to making. Um, and honestly, the amount of money they probably need to make to uh, take care of their household. Like the job, while the job trains and the, and the, and the employment opportunities would be great, you know, it doesn't really, that only impacts one area of their life. Some of them don't have homes to go to. They're not able to shower or, you know, do proper hygiene, um, they're not able to sleep, while like the job trainings and the employment opportunities will go a long way, um, the youth are in need of a lot of other services. And once a youth finishes their time in the detention center, Kalen shared that they often return. Honestly, they get back to the same thing because they don't have the resources that, that we provide for them inside. They don't have those outside. For the most part, you know, well, one of my coworkers said, you know, we pretty much clean them up just to throw them back in dirty water. And I feel like it's a, a, a great analogy. Again, that's Kalen Mayfield, a former activity aide at the St. Louis City Juvenile Detention Center on Vandeventer. And joining me now is Sean Joe. He's the Benjamin E. Youngdahl Professor of Social Development at Washington University and the founder and principal director of Homegrown STL. That's an initiative he launched out of the Race and Opportunity Lab, which examines race, opportunity, and social mobility. His research focuses on opportunities and health of black boys and young black men in the St. Louis region. Sean Joe, welcome back to St. Louis on the Air. 
Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be here. When we were listening to Kaylin Mayfield together, I heard you nodding, uh, or I saw you nodding your head. Uh, what what struck out about that to you? What he well, said? what struck me is I, it affirms what we're doing in Homegrown. Homegrown has been this effort um, among a collective of St. Louis uh, agency leaders and those who work with young people and some young black men, black males themselves, centered on you got to build uh, the capacity to support these males over time and help provide them vital resources, housing, um, access to, to health and health care, access to um, good skills development experiences that will prepare them for the regional job opportunities that are out here, uh, and making sure that that's at a livable wage. So I heard the things that we have been working on for seven and a half years uh, and trying to build our regional capacity as a city, as a county, as a metro region, uh, to be able to provide that for black boys and young men is exactly the things those who work directly with them and seeing some of those who might not be exhibiting their best behavior or best possible selves at this time, we're saying, yeah, we got to put that in place. So it tells me that we're, we're, we're on track in, in, in trying to do this audacious sort of vision that St. Louis could be the one demonstration in this country that a region can actually solve this at scale. I want to talk a little bit later about what's working well. Um, but d- does it come as a surprise to you that it's primarily black boys and young black men who are connected to the increase in car thefts? Well, no, you, you're talking about this is whether it's car thefts or whether it's a new drug or a new market, any type of um, these sort of market opportunities, these opportunities to make money, the young males are often vulnerable. They, again, they will be engaged by others who will organize their, their activity to make sure that, again, the males get some small benefit, but there's someone behind that who's organized to get bigger benefit out of them stealing cars or selling drugs or, you know, doing something else. But again, it's often market-related. We've seen this before. Uh, you've done some research at Homegrown STL um, that shows that the median annual income for black men ages 18 through 29, it used to be about $35,000 in the region, and then that dropped to $11,000 median annual income. Wow. The, uh, I mean, is it is it a surprise that, that some people would, would turn to crime to try to make more money, to try to support their families? Again, it's... Everyone is going to seek out the best ways to take care of themselves and families. We might not agree with all of it, and I don't agree with all of it. But when you see that sort of precipitous drop in the economic opportunity, then you shouldn't be surprised that people are going to try to find a way. So a simple way of looking at this is that every region, including our own, we're organized to produce the results we get and what happens in people's lives. It's, it's one of those things that we don't all have uh, uh, malintent. But the way we set up opportunities, the way we, 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 we structure that in our region produces these sort of social ills as well. Um, but these things are fixable. We just have to be very intentional and, 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 and uh, consistent over time around trying to fix them. You talked a little bit earlier. You mentioned those kind of general uh, pillars that we need to focus on. Some of these are skills to jobs with a livable wage, uh, safety, mentorship, health care, just some. Help us talk. Uh, help us understand a little bit more about uh, some specifics around these things. Uh, let's just take, for example, skills uh, to jobs with a livable wage. A uh, couple of things. One, you have to have a space to intentionally say, well, you have X number of young people. We're about, six, about 60,000 black boys and young men between the ages of 12 to 29. That's total for the city and county combined. 
Um, compared to New York or Chicago, that's a small percentage of their population. You spent time in New York. Well, I grew up in New York. Yeah. Um, so I know for us, we used to say that's about four blocks uh-huh. of, New York, of a New York City block mm-hmm. in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. So skills to jobs. How well are we organized to make sure that summer youth employment is something we solve every year? You're talking about 2 to $3 million of investment to make sure our area young black males have an opportunity to learn some early job skills and job habits. We can solve that. You're talking about 2 to $3 million. You've got good organizations doing that, but we, not, we haven't taken to scale, right, mm-hmm. um, with internships. Skills to jobs. You're talking about how well do we, are we able as a region to say how we prepare people through high school, job trainings, um, and matching them to the real economic job opportunities that employers in the region are putting forth. We don't even have the basic infrastructure to know how well we're doing at that. We see it in unemployment rates, but that's just a small aspect of what people are experiencing. So for skills to jobs, we're working with organizations now to say, well, how do we solve that? And how do we solve that at scale for this population? And if we're able to do that, then um, our region will be economically better off. The employers in the region would not have a struggle trying to find employment, particularly part of the, the human capital that's here in St. Louis that's untapped, unutilized. And if we're able to do that, we become much more competitive as a region because we don't have the challenges of attracting businesses if everybody's making a wage that, that allows them to take care of themselves and family. So I don't want to leave that out, and we have to determine that. It has to be allow them to take care of themselves and their families. You're, you're making the case very much that um, this is not only something that would help young black men, but something that would help everybody. And this, this idea of, of um, lifting all boats um, how, how is it the case, or can, can you draw the connection between providing these opportunities for more upward economic uh, mobility to a decrease in crime? So I think these things are directly linked. If I showed you a map, if we were just sitting there, I would show you that as you talked about and you highlighted that as the income for young black males under 35 decreased over time, the crime rates for St. Louis de- increased over time. So you can see that sort of correlation between the two. Um, But just economic opportunity alone doesn't solve it. And you heard one of your um, um, former speakers say that. The other thing that we talked about is a paradigm shift. One of the things we have to make sure in St. Louis is that how do we ensure that young black males uh, feel personally safe at home, at school? It's often talked about public safety, but not their safety. So some of their behaviors is related to being safe. If I get together with a group, a gang, of people that I live with, and I can only trust that they are the only ones who would follow up to make sure if I have someone, something threatening my personal safety at any level, they're going to be the ones to respond and we make that commitment to each other. So then they're not using uh, normal public safety systems. So we have to have a paradigm shift to say, how do we make sure young black males feel personally safe, whether it's black boys or young black um, uh, uh, teens, or emerging young black men, that we have to solve. We have to figure out how to understand that. That's at the root of most crime in addition to economic opportunity. It's matched with those two two things, personal safety and opportunity economically. Speaking of safety, I remember a conversation I had with a principal in the Jennings School District. This is probably in 2015 or 2016, and uh, it was of an elementary school, and they said, Many of these students are surrounded by gun violence and uh, drugs, and we expect them to go to school, these elementary kids, and we expect them to learn. And uh, 
how how can we even expect young people to learn when they're dealing with so much else? Right, right, and that's part of it. The idea that this is not done in isolation. So we say you have to intentionally organize yourself for the outcomes that you want as a society. And we don't have to solve the rest of the world, but we have enough capacity, um, really good, strong infrastructure here in St. Louis that this is intentional. And this is not pie in the sky. This is detailed, deep work that you have to do that you change opportunities that uh, for, for individuals, but also you help those individuals change their perspectives and the individual work that they have to do. You were talking about a uh, summer mentorship program uh, to help uh, get young people involved with jobs. You have so many other pillars that, that you're right. focused on. What are some other examples of things that are working well in this region? Well, a couple of couple important things. I do think that uh, those who provide places for safe play and spaces like that for young for young black males are critical. Those who are involved in sports, they create a safe space to say that um, there's an alternative you can use with your time. So whether it's Boys and Girls Club, whether it's um, some of the work with Urban League, Mission St. Louis, there's some good work that's happening. Our challenge is that, one, we don't have the additional follow-up capacity in terms of the coaches the life coaches that these boys need over time. And we don't have enough capacity um, primarily um, to utilize some of the knowledge that we that we do have to make sure that we can adjust our strategy as a region. So basically I'm just saying two things. We have to organize ourselves. Two, we have to put these uh, some life coaches in the lives of these black boys and young men that accelerate the St. Louis internship program that's there, but they can't deal with the housing issue. Life coach will connect them that will accelerate what's going on with the Boys and Girls Club. They're there while in the club, but how do you help them feel safe? How do you connect them to the services that help them heal? Um, so these are the collective sort of strategies that we're using and having a, a table with these sort of fascinating leaders that are coming together to do something that no other region has done, which is to say, we're going to create a table to come together and say, how do we collectively solve this sort of issues? And we're going to stick to this for 15 to 20 years. And I think over time, we want to be at scale to reach all 60,000. Now, that is a phenomenal thing to try to do, but I think it's feasible given the things that are working in St. Louis right now. So is uh, being mentors or life coaches, is that something that everyday people can help with? Is that some somebody's listening right now and yeah. they, they, they want to help? How do they do that? Well, they do that. Uh, they could be a mentor through big brothers, big sisters at a table that's mentoring. A life coach is a totally different thing. It's an expert who's paid with experiences to help them navigate those opportunities and systems as it is. So help them find a mentor. A mentor is really good because you're there part-time, but a life coach is a totally different regional investment. So... If you want to help young people find a mentor, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, Boys and Girls Club, St. Louis Internship, Good Mentoring Programs, Man Up St. Louis, the fraternities and sororities. If you want to see us invest a new level of support that follows boys from 1 to 17 years, from 12 to 29, or from give them a year of support of a coach, a coach. Even the best athletes have coaches say, how do you really do this well? And how do I connect and be that additional support that you don't find in your family? You don't find that knowledge among your community. Again, this is additional support that kids in Ladue and other places have. They have that social network that says, oh, uh, that person wants to get into broadcasting. I know someone at St. Louis on the air. Let me talk to them. <laughs> and, and then how do I coach them to apply? How do I coach them? How do I follow up? Now, a mentor can only do part of that. Right. But they need a coach that's there for the long term that this is the job that they're centered on. 
And you said that we currently don't have enough capacity to do this. And so it's just about people stepping up to the plate. But it's it's bigger than that. It's it's also about the systems that are in place, too. Correct. And this is why our regional steering committee, this fascinating, fantastic group of leaders um, from Greater St. Louis Inc. with uh, Valerie Patton and others, we're coming together to say, okay, now let's figure out how much capacity we need to build. We're very data-driven. We're very strategic. We're not rushing to solve this. This didn't happen overnight. But you got to, and you change those systems by changing their standards. One of the wonderful initiatives that we're part of leading is the St. Louis Community Information Exchange. How do you refer people to things you don't know to refer them to? And here's a system being built, led by the United Way and some other background organizations to provide a 21st century digital infrastructure that will allow you to say, this person needs housing help, well, who are all those providers? So again, we've been trying to democratize the opportunity mm. through these sort of initiatives and strategies. So it's multi-pronged and multi-layered, addressing systems change, but as well as making sure that we have the way to reach young people and support them and give them the help and the capacity that they might not have in family or among themselves through these life coaches. And organizations, if they want to do this, step up to the homegrown table, join those who are working in different segments of, of expertise, whether it's health, whether it's legal services, whether it's housing, um, and join with them and say, we're going to set new standards for ourselves of the level of care we're going to give these young people. We have about 30 seconds left, but the St. Louis community is often good about writing a report or studying an issue, and then uh, a report goes on a shelf. How will you know, whether it's two or three or four years from now, that we're being successful or that we're making significant strides towards success? In seven and a half years now, we have organizations that are willing to step up to the table and spend their time in this. So for me, organizing ourselves is for success. Two, we'll know if the black male's economic incomes uh, are improving over time because we can measure that. We'll know the number of young people who are physically healthy. We can measure that. We'll see that over time. Um, and we know if they're transitioning from adolescence to young adulthood, prepare to take care of themselves and families. We can measure those things. Well, Sean Joe is the Benjamin E. Youngdahl Professor of Social Development at Washington University and the founder and principal director of Homegrown STL, an initiative from the Race and Opportunity Lab. Sean Joe, thanks for being here today. Thank you. This episode was produced by Maya Norfleet. Our audio engineer is Aaron Doerr. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. This podcast was mixed and edited by Aaron. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis.
Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.